0: Hello and welcome to the Caregiver Stories podcast where we discuss all things dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott and in 2013, my mom was diagnosed with dementia at the age of 65 and after many years of feeling overwhelmed, I am just now getting comfortable with saying how overwhelming this journey can be. In 2019, I started Caregiver Stories to let other caregivers know that they're not alone and giving them a place to share their story when they're ready. I want to educate those who don't know about dementia and what to do if their loved one is diagnosed. And most importantly, I want to get people talking about having a tough conversation about the what if your loved one is diagnosed, maybe, just maybe, we might be able to break that dementia cycle by having this conversation. If you want to share your story, you have knowledge about dementia and want to be a guest on Caregiver Story podcast, visit ThatKimberly.com to sign up to be interviewed. And while you're there, you can also pick which platform you prefer to listen to the podcast on, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and now Amazon Alexa. And with that said, I'd like to welcome my guest today, Ms. Jane Marks. How you doing, Ms. Jane? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be your guest. Well, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you sharing your story with the audience and giving us some time.
1: I'm happy to be here and happy to
0: share. Caregiving is near and dear to my heart. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you. Give a little bit background on who you are and what led you to doing the work that you are now doing.
1: Well, I was involved in the nonprofit world for many, many years and eventually made my way to being executive director of the Alzheimer's Association here in my state. And from that, I, of course, became immersed in the world of dementia. Uh, While my expertise had been in running a nonprofit, you very quickly learn about the topic for which your nonprofit does its work. And so I learned very quickly a lot about dementia. And of course, I interacted with caregivers day in and day out. And after 13 years of that, I learned quite a bit, Mm -hmm. but ended up being one of those caregiving statistics and actually retired from my job at the Alzheimer's Association because the needs of my mother as her illness progressed was taking a toll on on me and my life and my ability to carry out my work but I didn't want to give up the work completely Yes yeah. so I can, you know I developed my website I, I have lots of presentations that I give at conferences, at geriatric conferences, at dementia conferences and I also do some work personally with caregivers. I still do a little bit of work in long-term care. I do some training with long-term care facility staff, but that's kind of what led me to this part of my career from Uh being a nonprofit executive to now working with caregivers.
0: So first, what state are you in? I'm in West Virginia. West Virginia. Okay. When did you notice or how could you tell that there was something, I know Parkinson's is one of the many diseases that dementia is a symptom of? When were you able to tell that there was something wrong and that you weren't going to be able to juggle everything?
1: Well, I started noticing some changes in my mother probably about 2003. So I'd been with the association about two years. And what was interesting was her her symptoms or the things she was doing weren't typically of what you see in a person with Alzheimer's disease. And of course, we know that there are many different forms of dementia, but mm-hmm. she wasn't following any set pattern. But I was noticing some, some changes. And at that time, a newly coined, I guess, condition was cognitive impairment, mild cognitive impairment. And okay. so I thought, well, maybe we're experiencing that. And you know, some folks who develop mild cognitive impairment actually do not go on to develop a worsening kind of dementia. But she wasn't showing any classic symptoms, and it was it's kind of coincidental. I was at an event in the town where my mother lived. I lived about an hour away at the time, and the new neurologist in town happened to be at that event. So uh-huh. I chatted with him a little bit, and at that time, some neurologists did not really believe in or did not, you know, espouse the, the, the philosophy of mild cognitive impairment. And he said, no, I truly think that it is a condition. And he said, why don't we make an appointment? Let me see your mom. And so I proceeded with that. And what we found out was she was also not showing many of the classic symptoms of Parkinson's. Which she are? Well, the first and foremost that we all think of are the tremors. Okay. Mother did not experience tremors. Now, she would say that she felt them internally, but, you know, her hands did not shake, her head did not shake. She had started to have some balance issues. Her handwriting had changed, which at the time I did not know was a symptom of Parkinson's. Her voice had gotten much softer. And at that time, I did not know that that was a symptom of Parkinson's. And so that was his initial diagnosis. And we decided that she had some mild dementia related to that. Now, as time went on, we weren't really sure her dementia worsened, but we were very blessed or lucky in that she never got to the point where she didn't recognize her family. She always knew who she was, you know, those sorts of things. But, you know, it's possible that over time, one dementia can morph into another dementia. And the doctor said that it's possible that she went on to develop classic Alzheimer's, but one can never be sure, as you know. So we didn't really ever have a name for it
0: other than she had Parkinson's with some form of a dementia. Wow. And so they were just, the evolution is shocking to me how just in the elder care space from, you know, insurance, to all those things of what they identified as what you could say was dementia, Alzheimer's, and, and, you know, like you were talking about, the mild cognitive conditions, and just how that timeline looks, and, and the awareness, and the, the things that have discovered over time. What do you think is the biggest misconception of people with, whether it's dementia, Alzheimer's, or dementia, Parkinson's, in general?
1: Well, one of the first misconceptions, I think, is simply that you have to have a specific diagnosis. Now, yes, in some situations, that's extremely important. But, you know, I would have people say to me, a mother doesn't have Alzheimer's, she just has dementia. And yet she is doing all these classic things Mm -hmm. that means that she's going to need some assistance, her living arrangements might have to change, that sort of thing. So what I end up telling people is often your philosophy needs to be, if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, let's call (laughs) it a duck. So let's deal with the manifestations of this condition or this illness. Let's deal with what's obvious in front of you. Dad can no longer manage his checkbook. Does Uh it matter if he has Parkinson's with dementia or if he has Lewy body dementia or if he has Alzheimer's? He can't deal with his checkbook anymore. You know, he can't, he can't, mom can't remember to turn off the stove anymore. That doesn't really matter what it is. It matters that you deal with the manifestation of whatever it is. The other thing that I think we need to get rid of is the idea that everybody's going to be the same. Mm -hmm. You know, I have problems and it's sometimes a sticky wicket when I work with folks in long-term care, because in long-term care, they're required to follow that seventh stage charge about dementia, you know, they're stage one, two, three, and when they're in stage four, they do this, this, and this. Well, families will come to me and say, you know, what stage is dad in? Because, you know, in stage four, you're supposed to do this and this, but he's not doing that, but occasionally he does the things in five and six, so what stage is he in? And I say, does it really matter? Now, uh, certainly we know that part of the staging is to kind of give people an idea of where the person is on that journey, if you will. Are we in the middle of the journey or are we toward the end of the journey? And I know that that's helpful, but in reality, everybody with a dementia going to be different and everybody's going to act a little bit different. There will be some similarities and some commonalities, but everybody's unique. And so you can't hold everybody to that one chart or that one standard.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's always different. Everybody that I've met just in the past seven years and had a conversation with before I even started doing this, Just when I was trying to figure out things, you know, how to care for my mom, you know, how to keep somewhat of her independence, how to talk to her, what not to say, you know, all of it, it was so different than somebody else's than the next person that I talked to and, or even that their knowledge, and it it seems, you know, that there's so much information out there that at the same time, we're all so overwhelmed by it. And we almost don't even know how to digest and take it in to properly Figure out what to do first, you know, until you have someone like yourself, or you know, maybe a, a very educated doctor. Because even her doctors were not very, or her one doctor, who's a general practitioner, did not have the best advice, you know, and direction for me. <laughs> so
1: exactly, and you know, certainly, I never want to slam doctors because we no. need them. We need them. They're so yeah. important to our health and well-being. And my brother is a physician, so so I feel like I have an inside view. But you know, they're trained to fix. They're trained to cure. They're not necessarily trained to counsel and advise. And I think we need to understand that, but it doesn't mean that we can seek out someone who can counsel and who can advise and who can deal with those emotional issues. I -hmm. think that uh, we all jump into the tasks and the symptoms and you know what do i need to do next and often for caregivers we ignore the fact that we too are experiencing a trauma mm-hmm. certainly that person who has been diagnosed with some form of dementia is experiencing a trauma but you as a caregiver are experiencing a trauma
0: as well you too 100% hit by a 10 ton truck as well yes and admitting that you're going through something and that you need help was one of the hardest things that I found to get comfortable with. I think after the year, first year and a half, when I got comfortable with saying it's hard, you know, and I don't know what I'm doing and I need help was huge to just be comfortable with saying that because you don't want to let your loved one down. But nobody knows everything and, and everybody needs help, especially with this. And And if you're not taking care of yourself first, I found if I didn't take care of myself first, then you know i wasn't going to be able to take care of her so that was a hard lesson learned for sure
1: exactly i always talk to you know young folks who are either working with the alzheimers association or or starting to work with caregivers and i think that you know we often want to jump into okay you're a caregiver of someone with dementia now here's what you need to do mm-hmm. i think we should stop i don't think that should be our first step i think our first step should be number one to listen And then to reassure those caregivers that, yes, it's scary, yes, it's challenging, yes, it's confusing. No, you're not crazy for feeling these things. No, you're not bad for sometimes wanting to run away. instead of wanting to stick by and care for no you're you're okay and you're normal and you're not alone so i think that reassurance that emotional reassurance is very important before we even launch into the tasks that need to be done
0: Mm -hmm. yeah what one or few things would you might besides that tell folks that are listening that you know like first steps where to start when accessing you know resources or support so they can get feeling more comfortable you know, at being a caregiver?
1: Well, the the first thing is obviously to try to learn as much as you can about whatever illness or conditions that you've been told is is the issue. You know, and there are lots of websites out there where you can find good information, you know, the specifics about the illness. And I think that's very important because a lot of people don't take time to do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that dementia is just memory loss. Uh, It's just, Mom will forget things. Okay, I know about that. And they don't understand all the other changes and manifestations that Alzheimer's or one of the other dementias can cause. Mm -hmm. You know, your vision can change. Hearing will change obviously communication will change and their ability to understand and communicate with you will change. The physical manifestations, like sometimes balance issues and gait changes are a part of of a dementia or can be a part of dementia as well, sleep issues. So it's much more than just forgetting. So learning about those things so you can be a little bit prepared is, is very important. But the other thing that I think caregivers should do is stop a moment and consider. And by consider, I mean, consider your situation, consider your personality, consider your finances, and the person for whom you need to provide CARES finances. Stop a minute and consider all those things because that can help you as you then navigate the caregiving challenge. For instance, I was working with a gentleman who I'll be quite lunch he was very OCD Mm -hmm. he liked things in alphabetical order he liked all the cans in the cabinet you know turned with the labels front forward you know he he liked to organize and make sure all the soup cans were on the left side and Mm -hmm. all the vegetables were on the right side everything had to be had to be just so in the home Mm -hmm. and as his wife's condition changed and she started to decline in her dementia she. Still, however, wanted to be involved in the household care and in helping to wash the dishes or put things away in the cabinet. And it was driving him crazy because she wouldn't stick with the program, you know, yeah. she couldn't put the cans in properly, and she would try to dry the dishes and not get them completely dry, or if she was helping to wash the dishes, she wouldn't get them clean, and it was driving him crazy, and finally I said, all right, who's suffering the most in this situation? your blood pressure's going up, you're going to give yourself stroke, you're frustrated and upset, if you have her leave the kitchen and try to get her to sit still, then she becomes frustrated, why don't you just let go of your concern, Mm -hmm. and your habits, and your focus on keeping everything, you know, alphabetized, and let her be who she is now, who is that person who still wants to piddle in the kitchen and still Mm -hmm. help you out and still put the groceries away and you let go just a little bit. So sometimes it's it's important for us to consider our personalities and our own quirks uh, as well as that other person so that we can make those adjustments as we move forward. So that it's not quite so hard on us.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. My mom and I are two similar creatures very headstrong and once I stopped trying to fight that <laughs> and slow down and really be okay with how she did stuff, even though it wasn't to my liking, it didn't matter, you know, and it really helped me be able to communicate with her and communicate to others on how to, to be with her when, when they are around her and when they're confused by her actions. So it took a little bit, but I feel like once I slow down to really hone in on that it helped a lot and helped my frustrations you know become less because as a caregiver you're already overwhelmed and then you want things to go a certain way but it's never going to be that way you just kind of i felt i did best when i just went with it and however it worked out as long as she was happy and she wasn't harmed you know everything was still good with her that's all that mattered at the end of the day I just had to keep reminding myself of that
1: I had the, the opportunity to go to England and spend a couple of days in a training session mm-hmm. with this wonderful woman whose name is Penny Garner and Penny has now developed her own philosophy about dementia care over the years and now it's it's become her career mm-hmm. and of course she started out like many of us her mother was diagnosed and then he tells the story of the fact that her mother for some reason with her dementia whenever they were in a crowded place her mother assumed they were at the airport Hmm. the first time it happened the first time it happened they were in a grocery store and her mother started talking about what gate they needed to Go to and when, when their flight was leaving, and of course, Penny was confused and frustrated and said, For God's sake, Mother, we're in a grocery store, see the food, see the cart. But this yeah. kept happening, and you know, Penny finally realized they were in a doctor's office waiting to get blood work. When she had this aha moment, her mother again leaned over and said, What time does our flight leave? and Penny just said, Oh, not for another hour. And then Mother said, Where are we going? and Penny named a place that they were quite fond of and Penny laughed and said they ended up having a great conversation she said the rest of the people around us probably thought that there were two crazy women sitting there talking about being at the airport but she said i realized at that moment that my blood pressure was lower i wasn't as frustrated you know i didn't need i couldn't convince mom that we weren't at the airport
0: anyway so why not just go with the flow mhm <laughs> that's true absolutely go with the flow best advice for sure so tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you you know if they want to connect with you or if they have more questions about any of the services assistance that you provide to caregivers well the best place that they can find to me the easiest
1: is my website it is www.sandwichcaring.com and yes many,
0: just many just people like it are- sounds
1: <laughs> yeah many people ask me, Oh, do you own a restaurant and And so, if you will let me if you will indulge me, I want to explain why sandwich caring is my my title. Many years ago, a social worker coined the term sandwich generation, and what she meant by that was those people who were in that point in life when they were maybe both caring for an older parent but still had children living at home, so they were sandwiched between the two Got it. and I thought that you know, and that was a great great idea, great, great yeah. Uh, philosophy. However, in my years of working with caregivers, I realized that it was not about a generation. It didn't matter if you were the 86-year-old spouse or the 19-year-old granddaughter. If you are a caregiver, you are sandwiched. You are stuck Mm -hmm.
0: between
1: The needs of that person for whom you're caring and your own needs. You're stuck between their health care issues and your own health care issues. Their happiness and your own happiness. You are sandwiched if you are a caregiver. So forget about the generation. Any of us that are caregivers are all sandwiched. So that's kind of my
0: shtick, if you will. That's a great shtick if you want to call it a shtick. That's a great way to look at it. And if more people start having the conversation prior to getting into the sandwich situation or sandwich caregiving cycle, then I feel like it would be a lot easier on everyone, you know, but tell me a little bit about that conversation and that spot on your website where you tell your children about what they should do, you know, about what your wants are.
1: (laughs) Well, over the years of being a caregiver myself and working with caregivers, you know, I came up with many aha moments, just like the aha moment when I realized that we're all sandwiched. It's not just about a generation. Mm -hmm. And one day it occurred to me as I was feeling very frustrated and unappreciated. And I felt like my mother didn't realize how much of myself I was giving to her care and to her happiness and well-being, And I realized that, That wasn't her fault, and -hmm. that maybe all of us could make a statement now, kind of a a preconditioned statement, while we're still fully aware and have all our faculties. And I wanted to leave this for my children to let them know that I understand if there comes a point where they will have to become a caregiver for me, that it's going to be tough for, for them, and that I am committed to having direct conversations with them about you know, advanced care planning, where my will is is housed, where my power of attorney is, what I want for my future care. I understand that sometimes they are going to have some challenging situations and I don't want them to feel guilty. So I'm telling them now that I'm going to appreciate what they do for me, even if at that time, I'm a curmudgeon and grouchy and don't <laughs> say thank you, that right now I'm saying thankful. I, I want their commitment that they will respect my wishes, but I also understand that things could change and what I ask for now might not be possible then, yeah. whatever my illness might be or whatever the financial situation might be. And so I just want wanted to say something to them now that they could have later. and maybe I can't say those kinds of things to them. And then that would alleviate a little bit of their frustration, a little bit of their guilt and let them know how much I appreciate what they may have to do for me someday.
0: Well, good for you because more people need to be doing that. So thank you on behalf of your children (laughs) as another person, as another, you know, child of my mother that I know that was not never her intention. And if we could have had the conversation, we would have, but you know, it just, it didn't happen. So good for you. So people can connect with you on your website, at sandwichcaring.com also on LinkedIn was how we connected. That's right. Sandwich Caring has a Facebook page. So they can look for Sandwich Caring on Facebook as well. Awesome. Well, I do really appreciate your time, Jane, and sharing with us and joining me today. I truly appreciate you you know, being so open and giving us more insight. I'm grateful that you shared your knowledge with the audience. And if you folks out there, if you want to listen to other episodes again, you can go to thatkimberly.com to choose where. To listen to the episodes and until next week, remember sharing is caring and to the caregivers listening in the words of Dottie Gandy, you have my undying love, gratitude, and admiration. And to those that have not had the conversation with your family about dementia, please, please, please start talking about the what if something happens and they can no longer care for themselves. Then what do you do? Thank you again, (laughs) Jane. You're very welcome. I'm so glad that we connected. Me too.